0: When the NBA offseason is so wild, somehow the Houston Dynamo sign a star. It's That's MLS. Wow. A North American soccer podcast (laughs) with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton.
1: Yeah, that news story took me a little bit to uh, digest and figure out what the hell they meant (laughs) was going on there. (laughs) Of course, being a soccer fan, I was like, who is this handsome bearded man? I haven't heard of this guy. This is a big announcement for uh, someone I've never heard of, but right, it's MLS. It's,
0: the video the video is so the video of, of James Harden has well the I actually took this first took the scene as the MLS push alert. And uh, before you expand the alert, it just says, uh, James Harden join and NBA star James Harden joins the Houston Dynamo. Yeah. And then you hit the button and it says ownership group mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, yeah so he is now, to be uh, clear <laughs> uh, james harden is of the nba is not playing soccer he is owning part of the houston dynamo which i would say um might actually be better
0: for them for so sure.
1: like maybe people actually come to games and
0: stuff like that would be cool on the in the video he's sitting he posted a video to his his twitter account where where it's like at the the darkened houston dynamo locker room and then, like, a jersey metastizes into a James Harden jer- a Dynamo jersey. And then he is sitting on a chair in the Dynamo locker room wearing a soccer jersey. So you would be for- you would be uh, forgiven if that was the idea. I feel like that was the idea you were meant to left- leave- be left with.
1: Yeah, it's a very uh, basketball star way of announcing his arrival to an ownership to his <laughs> soccer team. Where it's like is- especially for MLS where it's so often just like a you know like a YouTube highlight reel of this supposedly great player and that's the big announcement.
0: Yes. It's so la- it already
1: was- I'm impressed.
0: It's Zlatan. It's Zlatan because it reminds me of the Zlatan Galaxy video. I, I yeah,
1: I would say it's even bigger, really. I mean because La Zlatan just did his newspaper ad, right? Like
0: Well, I'm thinking of the one with the lion.
1: Oh right. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the one where he walks into a, a pig. uh but does, does it count if
1: it, does it count if it's just a home video?
0: <laughs> is that just is that is that uh Sci Fi Neon corridor just a part of Zlatan's house?
1: I I mean, do you think it's not?
0: <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a good move. I only start with it because this is what I was thinking of today and the this was the world that I was living in, but uh but you sure. know, it's nice to see uh, Harden as a part of the uh, the enterprise. It's nice to see the Houston Dash be mentioned as well because he's yeah that now, was ni- that was good. He's part of the whole deal. Uh, even if the the press release on the Dynamo website was like eighty percent everything that the Dynamo have ever done, and then like one percent, the Dash has Kealia Ohi on it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but it's that's nice, and I feel like it's been. I feel like it's been a relatively lively week of MLS well for some clubs for some clubs yes, but yes. of MLS like off season or sorry off field stuff where where players are uh players and in, in I guess new owners are are doing uh are mm-hmm. getting fined as as a uh as Josie Altidore was fined for for tweeting on July, on June thirtieth that MLS is the worst referees in the world.
1: Yeah, that'll do it. Uh,
0: Alejandro Bedoya showed up at a a, a public function where he was uh, mentioned on television as Alejandro Pedroia, captain of the union. Mm-hmm. And then he said in the he said in the tweets of the article that he would. Uh, uh, um, that they should sign Pedroya using Gamtam or Sam.
1: It's such a quality, like, I mean, <laughs> it's got to be such a disappointment when it's like, you know, Philadelphia, as good of a team as they are, it's not like they're a massive, massive club where, like, you couldn't just, like, he's got to be a hometown hero. Like, you can't just Google the name and get it right, but. <laughs> Got to be disheartening, but it was nice to see him uh, have some fun with it. Um, On the Houston side of things, they certainly had an interesting week. (laughs) Um, And perhaps uh, the news of some new ownership coming is uh, just in time, because boy, did they have a not good time last night.
0: Right. That was... uh, I saw a little bit... I didn't actually... That was one of the games I saw a little bit less of last night, but I was reading the, uh, the Bobby Warshaw... Um correspondence mm. column, but yeah, I yep. guess he, Atlanta Atlanta uh, whooped them pretty good, five nothing, huh?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you have your star striker thrown off in the fifth minute, um, it certainly doesn't help your cause. I don't feel like Houston would have necessarily put up a great fight against Atlanta. They've been somewhat struggling of late, although they still had some uh, bite to them, and they got did get the goal against LAFC. Uh, Before going down 3 1 to them earlier in the week. (laughs) But, you know, Albert Elise gets sent off in the fifth minute for a. I thought, even though to the letter of the law, it's got to be a yellow and then probably a red, I thought this referee just needed to control himself more. Um, (laughs) And that, you know, yes, Albert Elise kicks the ball away angrily. And yes, it's towards the fourth official. Yes, he then sort of like chest bumps the actual referee, but it's like it's it's pretty innocuous. Like for me, for a referee to make that decision to give a red card and kill the game in the first five minutes is also like that's one of those things where you'd expect a referee to have a little bit cooler of a head. But I appreciate that Houston's coach uh, was able to just say like, we said before the game, this guy likes to send people off, don't give them anything. And when you give him something in the first five minutes, you know, what What else can you expect? So,
0: anyway, new ownership. Was it so, <laughs> I see, it, I see that.
1: yeah, he, got,
0: he it, got, I see in the, I see
1: in the, he gets a yellow for kicking the... the ball away. Right. And then as soon as he sees the yellow, he turns around and sort of bumps uh penso. So that you know. gives him a, a second yellow. But it's like again, you yes, by the rules, it's a a yellow and then a red, but again, in, in the 5th or 6th minute, it's not super aggressive. I think there's a lot of referees that probably would have gotten in Ellis's face and given a very stern warning, but uh, I thought this was just really poor game management and and then of course again the game's dead at that point.
0: I think that um it I only kind of am di- I disagree but only if it was clearly intentional. the bump was clearly intentional. Like yeah. like if if it, if you could argue that he just turned around and the referee happened to be there, um I would kind of say even though it's even though it is early in the game, you've you've if you've just got a yellow for descent, I don't, I don't, uh yeah, I'm not against you know the the threat of the the threat of the quick double yellows for descent has to be there, and I especially like if he,
1: your coach has reminded you just before the game that that referee in particular has sent off your players before, and is looking for reasons. I I guess my thing is just that like yes in this instance, but of course, when you think about the consistency piece, I mean, this is also a league where Clint Dempsey has torn up uh, a referee's notebook and thrown it in his face and gotten away without any yellow. So it also seems a little bit harsh to me that when a referee is picking on certain players and teams, and I I often try to talk down the hate for MLS referees, but Penso has been particularly bad for this. Um, I And I just think that, both people can play a role in it, right? Like Elise has to control himself, but the referee also needs to keep his head as well. Um, but you're yeah. Yes, you're right. It doesn't matter what time of what time it's happening in the game. Letter to the law is it's a double yellow.
0: I think that the, like it, it all depends on the relationship between the referee and, and the teams. And I think that one of the issues that MLS has is that it has these personalities he has these referees who are personalities and and have specific relationships to the teams. And in not that they're encouraged to develop, but it's like, you know, once you've gotten, you know, once you're once you've gotten Chris Pencil enough times, or you've gotten um oh I had his name written down here in connection to another game, but uh um not Petrescu but the other one that somebody that people have trouble with where it's like you just feel like where 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 coaches are saying like I can't believe I have this referee and you're you're putting them in close proximity over and over without having any way of, of trying to build that relationship in a positive way yeah it just becomes adversarial and that harms I feel like that does harm the game
1: Especially with a player like Elise, who, yes, he's an aggressive forward, and certainly he's he's known for blowing his cool a couple of times. But, you know, in the age of there's also been significant work done in sports about uh, looking at statistically the number of times black players or racialized players are being called for certain things that other players aren't. I I also feel like in soccer, it's also true of strikers like Elise, who are are aggressive.
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: certain referees are looking for absolutely any reason to send them off. And again, that's fine if you're going to do it with every single aggressive forward, but we don't see that consistency. We see it as um, ultimately a referee should be looking out for certain things with certain players who might have a reputation, but they should also be trying to view the game objectively Mm -hmm. and, being and knowing how to manage it. So I guess it's not it's less a case of I don't think it's the right call as I think that Penso is unable to control himself and is just a poor referee for that that he rather than manage a game properly and rather than manage relationships with players properly he he's just reaching to the back pocket to send someone off and um it's it's definitely the fault lying with Elise here.
0: That's a great that's a great point. Both of them are great points including the the um the inequity in which leniency is, is given and and just the fact that he needed to control himself. I was going to say the the name was Baldomero Toledo. Oh yeah. That's another guy where Holy it's Holy like, Toledo. Where it's like when he comes in and it's just like, Well, of course this is gonna happen and, and you yeah. can't only get you can't only get friendly refs, but like like there should be an understanding or, or at least a way to communicate to a referee like Penso, you know, like we feel like we're unfairly sent off when we play against when we not play against you, but when we are assigned you, right? And it feels like any feeling like that just it only increases as tension is wrapped up as a, as opposed to listen. We're not trying, not trying to be hard on you here. We're all just trying to hear be here play the game, not trying to send you off. Please listen to my instructions. Right? Like, but yeah. instead it's like this game where it's like, you're just going to try and send me off. And the referee's like, well, I can't, and I'm gonna, right? Like,
1: exactly. And I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Because of course uh, the referee's job is always thankless. And we're always going to find a reason any team is going to hate the referee because they're going to say, well, you know, this this coach or this referee is always making calls against me. And in, in fairness as well, I think uh, despite Chapman sometimes being up and down, I think Alan Chapman's fairly good. Jai Rufo. we've had problems with White Whitecaps fans, but I think overall has been a pretty consistent ref. Alan Kelly as well. Um, Drew Fisher has his Knights. I'm just looking through the list of pro referees here to be like, are there any names here that jump out of me as people what, that are really?
0: What awful. Tra- what trauma do I associate with the names? Of yeah, these exactly. Referees? And then as soon as I,
1: the first face I see is that of uh, Kevin Stott, and I'm like, oh no, no. no. Um, David Gantar has been all right as well. Like it's it's um, it's just. Uh, I think it's one of those things that is so hard for people like you and I to talk about because. In all the commentary of MLS, this just comes up again and again and again, and it's hard to have an objective view of it. Um, So I try to usually err on the referee's side a little bit more just to bring some balance to it, but there's certainly some that you just go, you know, sometimes the only thing that's consistent is bad calls or, (laughs) you know, players that they don't seem to like. Am I... It's no secret that definitely there's players that receive preferential treatment from some of these refs
0: my feeling uh that one of those players and I actually wrote this down in my notes was in uh Montreal, Dallas mm where uh you have uh the late on so it actually you know uh ends up being okay this is the game where uh this is a game that ended up being oh am I thinking Minnesota Dallas Oh and yeah so I was Minnesota. just like, yeah, yeah, in Minnesota, Dallas ends up being a one nothing game. Um, it's, you know there's a, a some great there's some there's some great work from Manone earlier, but there's not a lot happens until the 91st minute when mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota gets the goal to go ahead. Um, Greg Goose uh, does a, a great switch from the left, his left foot to his right foot. To make a scene through the defense and sends it through and, and Mason Toy jumps on the rebound. Now you have this very soon, like a couple of minutes later, you have a penalty. And I haven't before I even knew who the referee was, I write down in my notebook uh long speculative ball. Attacker seems to run into the closing defenders, not and it wasn't called initially. This doesn't feel clear and obvious in any way. Next line. So of course Toledo gives it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it just feels so consistent that if something feels 100% like it can only go one way, leave it to Toledo to give it in the opposite direction.
1: Yeah, I know, right? It just, yeah, there's certain times where you just have to kind of like shake your head. I'm just pulling it up now again because I don't think I have like a specific note about it because if I do notes about every single PK call, then we would really be here all night. But
0: yeah. But Manone saved it, and, and this was another game. Uh, this was another game where I felt it like, mm. he hasn't been perfect, but he's been pretty good. And, and I think that that as a, you know, as a model for a player who, where I'm coming in on a loan, I I need to prove myself so that I can get minutes at my parent club at the end, mm-hmm. and, and I need to. Prove myself to my current teammates that I'm that I care about being here and that I want to do well. Uh, I think that this has been a great season for him uh, in terms of making his name.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And this is maybe a little bit of the uh, the soccer gods being on the the side of Minnesota here. Um, <laughs> and this just incredibly, incredibly late goal that comes from Toy is just uh, fantastic to see. Um, it really. this was a good sort of scrappy one. And I think is one where I'm still surprised that people don't quite accept that Minnesota is (laughs) good. But I I thought that Dallas maybe had the slight edge here. And then of course with the PK call, it looks like they were, they were going to get it. Um, So it's a good three points for Minnesota to keep them climbing up the table.
0: Seven straight wins.
1: That's unreal to think about from last year, isn't it?
0: Yeah. and,
1: And also the, this is not a team that had wholesale changes either. This is more or less the same squad that they had last year with some tweaks
0: things you know we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later, but things can sometimes like you know given time things can really you know build and and the same uh the same set of a reasonably same set of players can have a really outstanding result for example, let's talk about San Jose who. <laughs> Went away to LA Galaxy and won three nothing.
1: This is so good. This this was <laughs> one of my favorite results of the week because I also just <laughs> I love the amount of just shtick they were getting to from LA Galaxy, like the amount the Galaxy were talking themselves up like uh uh or three one. Galaxy got that early weird goal.
0: Oh, through one, yes, okay. I
1: because Rolf, wanted... Rolf Felcher, who I've never heard of before in my life, got a goal in the second minute for a galaxy. But then from there on out, it's just all San Jose.
0: I feel like the... I feel like this this guy has been watching all of the Defender uh own goals that have been <clears throat> scored in recent weeks. It's just like, what if I just do that? What if I do that yeah. but it's my team?
1: Yeah, what if I do it for my team? <laughs> um <laughs> The
0: one thing I'll say, though, is that despite
1: San Jose's total 180 that they've done is they still really look shaky defending some of these set plays because I think it's a corner where L.A. gets this goal. And just early on, mm-hmm. San Jose is a little bit switched off. So, um, I mean, we'll get to the Whitecaps in due time, but as the, the team to play them next, I think that's something that the Whitecaps could exploit. That um, That being said, we've also been bad at it, but... Baco's Otherwise, it's been... basically a San Jose party within three minutes, and then all of a sudden they're up through Vaco and then Hosin. So,
0: Vaco Vaco has really been uh, like, like the team has has a number of players that can can perform, um, but I feel like when they're really on, it's like the world is revolving around him a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it, it seems to be for me, he's also the player that like. Um, if he's in form, everybody else is in form. Because it's literally, I think, three minutes after he scores, Hosin takes a crack as well.
0: Yes, and that's the he's the one, yeah. And that's a that's a a first assist from from Vako as well to Hosen. So he's so he like scores, he sets up at the same time. Well, not at the same time, but you know, in the same game. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it, just because you know we are. Uh, we, we we finally got to see a game together. The San Jose's <laughs> next Let's opponent get it is, out of the way. <laughs> San Jose's next opponent is Vancouver and, and, and we uh we watched Vancouver Sporting Kansas City. This is my this was my second home game. This is the first time that I had a second home game in a season since I left Vancouver in twenty in twenty twelve. Yeah. So, big moment for me.
1: It was also the highlight for me. Twenty thirteen, I think, yes. Uh, yes, being at that game with you was definitely the highlight of that game. It was possibly the <laughs> highlight of the game for other people as well who didn't even know us. Um, yes. This, I mean, it was very unfortunate that this is the game that you were back for, but my God, um, it really was difficult to watch at points because there just really wasn't a lot to, Look forward to in this game. Um, it came fresh off the news that Aliadnan had been uh, officially transferred to the Whitecaps.
0: The program uh, had this big, had this big. Ugh, I'm not trying to be judging, but this big kind of smug like poster. Mm-hmm. Like I can't see. Even we it,
1: do spend money.
0: I can't even hang it. Like I have the 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 promo from the Davies game still hanging at my work desk. And I can't even put this up because it's so goofy. It's like a picture of Ali Adnan that says, he's staying or something like that. And it's just like, oh, guys.
1: Oh, that's right. Actually, the highlight of this game was that I think it was around the 20th minute. uh, For some reason, Alfonso Davies was in town. Just popped up. Was just in front of the Southsiders and got a very nice warm reception um, while his former club collectively pooped the bed on field.
0: Yeah, um, it sucks. I I kind of wanted. I feel like just my what I gained is 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 trying to think about the the mood around the team right now from from observing that. I went to also went to the warm up, which is they're they're starting doing like a, a beer garden at the Plaza of Nations. Yeah, um, which was kind of nice. It's just like an extended part of the pregame experience where they they have food trucks at you, but Whitecaps fans are pleasant to be around. So so mm-hmm. I had a decent time. I ran into uh, COO Rachel Lewis um, and had a, a very brief conversation, which was uh, which was pleasant. Um, the uh, and like it was mostly good, and the game was fine, and and talking to people was fine, um, and and good. But but people are looking for kind of a reason to care, and in one of the words that I that I keep seeing is just like, man, it's just so, it just sucks to watch right now. Like, because it, it feels like there's, even though when you look back at it, I think the one thing looking, going back to watch the highlights of, of the game that I didn't really process at the time, I think that there were more offensive chances in this game than we kind of gave a little credit for. Because there was some shots that went wide, and at the time it was just like, oh my God, it went wide. Um, yeah. but like but, if there were, there were decent chances, there was a really nice free kick from Mbom, um, yeah. but just nothing that, 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 that took control of anything or, or, or nothing that, that really, uh, changed the deadlock.
1: Well, and I mean, uh, one of the few positives to take away from it was the first MLS start for Theo Bear, the, yeah. uh, the ca- former academy player we have signed in He's 21, nice, big, tall, strong striker. I was glad to see that. He also got the start in Vancouver's loss in New England yesterday. Um, and I think that it's it's great to see he's had two near misses in both of those games. Um, and he certainly looks to provide more attacking threat than Montero or Ardiez does. Um, it, it's just... It is really, really difficult right now to have much positive to say about anything with the club. I agree. Um, The Sporting Kansas City game, there were some chances there. And maybe the 3-0 scoreline makes it seem a lot more lopsided than it was. The real disappointing thing for me was with five minutes of added time, the fans were just streaming out.
0: Yeah, that's sucked.
1: to have so much added time left. And I don't blame them. I think uh, there's lots of times where I, I want a crowd to rally behind a team. It was a little harsh, but at the same time, you need to f- send some sort of message. And I think f- for me, and this maybe is, uh, I guess, a question I have. And that'll also mean we don't have to get into all the nitty-gritty of New England whooping us for 4 nothing. Um, it's is that, yeah, is, I guess my question is, do you think Mark DeSantos is being let off too lightly in this because so much of the anger for Whitecaps fans still seems to be at the ownership, um, for not spending money. And I'm just curious to know, do you think it's as easy as that? Or do you think that's the only reason that things are are so bad right now?
0: I've looked at I've looked at it a little bit. Um, It really sucks the way which these both of these results kind of like metastized into worse games, where Mm -hmm. it's like you know um, both games ended one nothing at the half, um, and just like sort of in in moments of lack of concentration in the second half when you really would like to have seen more. There's just more negatives that 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 pound down to to make the uh, comeback seem less possible. Um, the, with Dos Santos, the, the major thing I think of right now, uh, I ran into, uh, my pal Victor, who mm-hmm. I had first met at a, a away game in Toronto a couple of years ago. And he's like, I try to be a member of the Optimist Union, but I don't have a lot positive to say right now. And I, maybe the, the, the read that I have is, is not necessarily optimistic, but I, I'm trying to not be fatalistic as a result mm-hmm. of all this. But I have a firm thought, and the thought is that blowing up the team was the wrong move. Um, and because, you know, one of my like like foundational things that I think about MLS when, when people sign a major striker or a major star is that it usually takes one or two seasons for them to settle in and, and get good. Um, and it usually happens that way for expansion teams. And I think that, unlike in other sports, there just isn't enough um, there just isn't enough other ways to to generate assets within the league that you can like you. It's not it's not like you can trade. It's not like in a Major League Baseball where you can trade your five best players for picks, and hmm. then um you might have a, a bad season or two, but then you have all of the players that you picked with all the with with all the draft picks because right. the draft's not strong enough. You could try to. You Mm. could try to roll a dice on signings and you might get a cheap signing here or there that that can really contribute, but they need time to integrate. And and I think the non-fatalistic, this is not an optimistic thing because I'm not saying that if this happens that it will have all made it worth it. But I Mm -hmm. think that the, the thing that you could look at is to say that the best possible scenario is that a squad like this becomes... Not magically better, but but once the year is completed and there's a chance to have a whole offseason and preseason that like in the way that we've seen a squad like Minnesota or San Jose do without, you know, minimum amounts of movement. Mm-hmm. With only minimum amounts of movement be able to, to sort of click and work together a little bit better, I think that's possible. But I think that the there were some major gambles being made on players like Freddie Montero and uh, our days and M and they haven't necessarily paid off the way that they, they needed to for this to work. I think the issue with the, the whole, and we talked about this being an issue at the time, is that, but the issue with, with with blowing it up with the assets that you have is that if, if there's a possibility that, look at the, say there's a possibility we're competitive next year. Mm hmm. I don't think that there's a possibility that we are lead contenders unless we make a major signing, and and as a result, it means that I think that like we're competitive to be in the place that we were. The place that we were also kind of felt, you know, hopeless before you know mm-hmm. we, we we released before we were released and, and and got rid of a bunch of players because Carl Robinson had also made uh, a wholesale change of the team in midseason, I think two or three seasons ago, um, that also required time to develop. So the team had, it is, is continuously going through this... this, uh, this like, rinse and repeat of trying to to build chemistry back up together. And, and I think that, do I judge, are we going too light or too hard on, on Mark Dos Santos? Well, I think that as a coach... Tactically, he's making okay decisions, and he's making. I, I think that I don't think that the players have lost him. It doesn't appear that the culture is bad. Um, mm. I don't. I'm not against him necessarily, but I think that the player acquisition, whether and I can't blame. I don't necessarily have enough information to know whether or not the player acquisition philosophy of the Whitecaps is entirely his fault, in terms of wanting to do this. This this big blow up. And then now that it hasn't really been panning out to, to want to go out, not want to go out and and as a new England has, or as a, a a Portland has get one, you know, Liga and striker to, to try and and rebalance the, the, the sinking ship. There's no, Mm -hmm. there appears to be no desire to do that. Um, And I would say that that, is a problem. I don't know if that's his problem or if he wanted to come in and, and blow up the team. But you know, people. I don't been even talking.
1: think it's. I don't even think it's necessarily ne- like necessary to to do that. I think that. I mean, New England was going on a run before they brought in Boo, who just happened to come in and score a, a wonder goal. And certainly, it within five minutes of seeing him play, you just go, he's a, he's a different kind of caliber of player. He's just. He's in all the right places, his movement off the ball is fantastic, his passes are incredibly precise. He, he just looks a much better player than most of the players he's playing with, and he's going to only enhance their ability to play well, because he's got great ball distribution, he can obviously crack shots from lots of different places. Um, the thing for me with Vancouver, it, it just continues to be that tactically, I, I think that Mark DeSantos has made some kind of head scratchers and had to really own up to them that this five at the back thing was not working for him. So he goes back to the old formation. But also, I mean, I posted a thing on Instagram where I was actually just taking a picture to illustrate how bad the Whitecaps positioning it has been over the last few games. And I could feel it happening, but I couldn't even get the thing posted before New England scored off of that play. <laughs> And you have uh, eight, seven white cap shirts, and there's four New England players. And Nurwinski, I think, is the only player in position where he's goal side of his man marking. And you look at all the other defenders, and they're all facing uh, the same New England player, which leaves two unmarked in the middle and one completely unmarked on the far post. And that's the player that scores. And I'm just thinking, like, right now, in this screen cap, um, there's no threat, really. Like, there shouldn't be a threat. There's seven players to four. You should—everybody should be covered. But because of just lack of awareness, um, New England gets this second goal. And the really frustrating part about this, I'm like, this is basic. This is the most— Basic, basic, basic of defending principles. That to to not be p- positionally aware, where you have time and space, and you're defending, it, it's just completely unacceptable. And I don't know um, if it's something that Mark DeSantis is going to pick on. I would imagine it would be, but it just really highlights um, for me how how out of sorts things are right now. That yes. Granted, we saw the same type of thing with Minnesota and San Jose, and we've talked about their, uh, their comebacks. Um, it, it's just really disturbing to me the number of things that were very much Mark Dos Santos's decisions, and those are the reasons why we're suffering right now. I, I, my answer to my own question is I think he's getting off pretty light, and I'm not quite sure why he's being afforded so much latitude, because he's already all but admitted uh, not leaving enough MLS experience in the squad, getting rid of Kamara, playing a formation that the players weren't comfortable with, um, probably not having the right attacking players in place. So for me, it's not, I'm not saying he should go. I'm just saying at what point do we kind of maybe wake up to the reality that this is on the coach as well? Um that's and a good point. And, one and, big signing is not necessarily going to fix the problems that we've had up to this point.
0: I've gotten some pushback this year from suggesting not even that he should be fired, but just that he is at risk of firing. Um, yeah.
1: Well, and it, I didn't, I didn't ask that question on social media because I, I knew people would take it to mean I think he should be, but I'm honestly asking if Cavalry beat us in the Canadian championship and San Jose beat us at home, both two entirely possible situations. I go... How, how do you, with the animosity towards the club already, I'm like, well, it ain't going to be Leonard Dusey falling on his sword. So, uh, like how long realistically does Mark DeSantis have if things don't improve?
0: The thing is, it feels like there isn't the, you know, making the San Jose comparison, it doesn't really feel that there like is a Vaco in the team. No. That could, that could like all of a sudden sort of come back into focus and be good, but it's like the so i guess the issue here is that like whatever whoever you you judge to be the most responsible um what happened didn't work so is the idea that if you leave dos santos more time to to prove that his his style can be effective he that will happen maybe do you think that if you with more time one player will get better, probably not. Maybe playing together, they'll be like, okay, maybe. Uh, it's like, 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 in which, in which, in what ways do you foresee that change could come that would be positive change? Yes, is, is is how I think you you judge that because I don't necessarily. The alternative is by saying that that just at just tank a season
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it'll and the next season will be better. I don't know that that is... That's is a much a pop- more
1: succinct way of putting it. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what some people are saying. I'm like, well, I, I don't know how that plays out and is successful. Because <laughs> we um, don't have a VACO, we don't have a Hosen, we don't have a Chris Wondolowski, we don't have a Darwin Quintero. Like All those teams that have done about faces have a player that can step up. We currently don't. And I I just... um. I don't even want to be necessarily down on those players, but um, they just haven't performed and they certainly don't look like they're in a, a real place where they're suddenly going to snap into it and, and do incredibly well. This might be the time to to shift gears and talk about a team that has done, maybe not a one E, but a team that's won
0: games. There's one more thing I kind of wanted to talk about in regards mm. to this, mostly because I went and looked, looked at the numbers. But mm-hmm. this idea that, mm-hmm. this idea that, um, the, uh, this idea that it's the worst, this is the lowest point that the Whitecaps have ever been in MLS, which is potentially true. I, if there's 12 games left in the season, if the Whitecaps win three of them, we will pass the points from the first season. If we win more than half of them, we'll pass the second worst season. So, uh you know, Small graces here and there, yeah. uh, but I think that if you if you take in Whitecaps memories, it's hard to find a rougher stretch of games than this: fourteen goals against, one goal four in in four games, in the middle of a a, a seven game winless run. That's tough, certainly. Um, but it's like I think that if you think with the memories of the whole league there have mm. been worse teams. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went to go look up some of the, some of the worst teams, like, <laughs> like worst teams, in the league, but like, like, like the, some of the historically bad seasons. If you look at it, like the 99 New York, New Jersey Metro stars had a, a 21 goals against five goals for sequence. Wow. That's uh, pretty in,
1: good.
0: in, uh, in what's that? That's, uh, that's seven games. No, that's eight games. Uh, in the middle of a in the middle of a no win, fifteen loss, one draw run. Uh, Tampa Bay Mutiny, the two thousand one final season of that team, had a, a a one win, thirteen loss run, with a four game, fourteen goals against, 4s goal four sequence. So slightly better than the the run the Caps have just been on zero three one six. Three two three zero, uh, in, in three straight in three straight losses. The, um, actually no, maybe one of those was a win. Yeah, one of those was a win. One of those four games, but it was you know for still fourteen goals against four goals four. But the Whitecap uh, Chivas USA two thousand five, their first season was uh fifteen goals against five goals four in five games. Very few of these games, all very few of these runs have a 1-6 a, a yeah. in them. Like 2007 TFC had a, a, a 19 goals against, 2 goals, 4 sequence in an 8 loss, 2 tie run. And those are all just like a death by a thousand cuts things. So mm-hmm. I would say, not to say that this couldn't get worse, but it's like, I feel like it's important. To, it's important to remember what true misery is, <laughs> <laughs> and that in the in the so 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 I think this is where is, we are now. <laughs> the concentrated nature of the fact that it was six one, you know six one three nothing four nothing is significant uh, when you compare to some of the like the worst the, the, sure. the teams that are, have been in the worst positions in the league. But there have been far worse teams that have been bad for far longer than vancouver i think that's 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 what makes me still try to feel not so fatalist even though i don't know how the team is gonna get out of it we also didn't know how san jose was gonna get out of it
1: mm-hmm. and
0: like i don't know how the team is gonna get out of it but it's i'm trying to not have this this at this feeling of of this is as bad as it could possibly get. Well, no, it could get worse and it has been worse for teams. Yeah. And so, it very well
1: could when uh, we play San Jose next week. So
0: Yeah, this not week, to rather. not to, you know, and I want to knock on I definitely want to knock on what about that? But it it it's I think that we don't have it the worst. You know, when people say, "Oh, well, MLS should just make I you know, you see some fans comments where they're just like, "Oh, MLS should force the team to, to sell, it's like, well, it's not that bad. They're, no, they're, and, and they're, also that that right.
1: literally just makes no sense.
0: It makes no sense. No.
1: Um so for fortunes that have shifted a little bit, I wanna I wanna just zoom in on Cincinnati for a second here. Um because they got a another win over Chicago. Now Chicago's been struggling, but this for me was The perfect example of a team that has taken the exact pieces they had before when they were in Misery Town and turned it into something that finally worked. And specifically, so the end result was 2-1. This is possibly competition for the worst penalty given here in just a game period. Um, But the soccer gods seem to play their part, and it's a missed penalty. Then a real penalty gets called for a handball. Um, Richie guesses right, but Gaitan sinks the rebound, um, which puts things level. But this, um, the Manny, the Manny, the Manny Addy connection has finally paid off, and there's this great little midfield sequence where Manny gets stuck in in midfield and sort of does this like two footed stand up tackle and just holds the ball up. And once he sees his uh, the guy he's marking run past him without the ball. Mane picks it up, sees Addy. Addy just completely calmly um, gets into space, decides what shot he's going to take, and really calmly finishes it. And that, for me, was a great moment to go like, okay, here you go. This is how you take the components that you have that haven't been good, and you you work with them and you get them to perform, because this is the kind of thing that we need to see. Something Mane hasn't had in his game in MLS is... Uh, more bags of tricks to use other than this explosive speed he has. But if he can shift into a role where maybe he's dropping in behind, um, playing as a second striker with some good midfield play, all of a sudden that opens up a lot of opportunities to exploit with other teams where you've got a, a small, quick and pacey player like Mane who can come into the middle of the park and win a ball. Uh, that's a pretty tasty thing to all of a sudden add to your offensive push.
0: I felt that the uh i thought his goal was i thought both his city goals were great. I thought that manet's shot was really like technically good as well. I thought that the uh the 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 shot placement choices were really well made in a in yeah. in a quick in a quick second the the first penalty. And and you know this is also the same as the Toledo ones. You know, as we as we've been talking about what's what's marginal and what's not, what's clear and obvious, and what's not. Um, I really don't think it's possible that the laws of the game are different. But um, I'm really coming in against these body check penalties.
1: Yeah, where, I also think it's got to be inside the box.
0: <laughs> so in this case, in this case, it's funny. Waston is inside the box the whole time making the body check, and the person he's body checking is outside of the box.
1: Yeah. So, I'm like, if you're fouling, like, okay, yes, Waston's inside the box, but ideally a penalty is given because you're fouling somebody inside the box and they're also inside the box. But, hey, I don't open think, to interpretation, I suppose.
0: I think that, you know, you know, um, only rules that have no room for wiggle room about studs being up. Works for me rules that have no real legal room around facial contact work for me, but I really don't think that the average person expects that there will be no body contact yeah. uh, no no upper body contact in soccer and and I don't think that it should be like basketball where it's like you can't even push or or use your weight to in, in for your benefit at all. I think that I think that it is. A play like that is something that you expect a Waston to make. And I don't think that it's a flagrant foul.
1: No, absolutely not. And certainly not a penalty. Um, And it was good that that penalty missed. So sometimes there's justice in the thing. The funny thing
0: thing in in the highlight package is that that they actually don't show the missed penalty in the highlight package.
1: I I saw that. It was kind of clever, wasn't it?
0: So I went and looked for it. And I found that there was an hour-long rain delay at that time. Like, pretty Uh, much right right. afterwards. But it was like, um, it was like a small sprinkling of rain, and then they kind of had to wait an hour for, you know, the, the thunder check, where it's like, well, there was thunder within six miles, so everybody's gotta stay put. Um, apparently there was not one, but two delay pitch invasions, which is like the softest form of, of mischievousness (laughs) that I can think of. Quite possibly. <laughs> a, a pitch invasion where I guess everybody is looking at the pitch, but nothing has happened and you are you disrupt very little.
1: Yeah. What I liked about Cincinnati in this game was, um, apart from some just smarter play, is that they absorbed a lot of pressure from Chicago. And I thought overall Chicago had an okay game um, and probably should have capitalized on their chances better. But... Cincinnati was a little bit more patient, didn't get themselves pulled out of position, and when they had their chances, they took them. And that's something that I think is, you know, there's still a lot of work to do for this squad, but they're going to keep climbing up and making um, their lives a little bit easier. And it's, again, proving that, okay, there's a squad here. Maybe there's four or five positions that you want to be looking at um, and seeing if you can bring in a couple players now and then over the, the winter, bring in a couple more, but you, you have some bones there of a, a pretty decent squad.
0: Uh-huh. I uh, I thought that Spencer Ritchie did great um, throughout the game, and it was unfortunate that the penalty happened the way it did. Yeah. Uh, as I was also doing that check, I found a tweet that suggested that a player encroached in the box and unfairly caused the penalty to be scored uh, on the rebound. I then realized that tweet was from 2012, But there actually is, there actually is a player encroaching on the box that jumps in before the shot is taken that runs into the penalty box. Um, the, uh, and, and the reason why I bring this up is, is because it's Gaetan takes the shot and it bounces back out to him. That player is a yard ahead of where they should have been. So maybe Richie couldn't have punched it out because that player was standing there, but regardless of how you, you, you call it, I hate. PK rebound shots. I I think it's very unfair to the goalkeeper. I think that uh, I don't know how you sort of um, arrange the game in in a way to that makes it flow, but not allowed. But I just don't think... I hate the idea that, you know, there's a a 70 or 80% chance that you're going to get scored on and you choose right and you make the save. But, like, the... The striker gets like infinite additional opportunities.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a good initial guess too. It's it's so unfortunate. Um, w- w- we got a lot of games to get through here. Where do you want to go? Where in the um, world are we flying to next?
0: Let's fly to uh, RSL. Uh, yeah, where they, they beat Philadelphia for nothing. Basically, they sure I would comp- I would, com- I, would com- I would really compare this to. The San Jose game, because it is all on the back of Jefferson Savarino.
1: It sure is. I I thought you could get red cards for pulling down the pants of your opponents.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: apparently not. But Savarino on the second goal. How many times has he scored this goal this season now? Like Is he just worried people are going to forget that he can hit from 35, 40 yards out? Because this is I swear this is like the third or fourth time now he's scored this exact same goal
0: as many times as it works,
1: I suppose so um, but talk about teams that know how to use the pieces they have. Saverino just like on his night he looks as good as anybody in MLs um it's a really bizarre call uh for the Philly goal being disallowed because. I guess they determined that the ball is over, goes over the line, even though there's no real angle that shows it's clearly over the line. And we get back into the territory of, is it clear and obvious? But um, it, this one really felt like it was going to be RSL all night long anyway. And Philly admittedly kind of sinks their own ship. Like, um, once that second goal goes in, um, and then their goal is disallowed, the floodgates are kind of open. Um Saverino just completely picks the pocket of one of the Philadelphia players, flicks it to Roznak. Roznak just fires it in uh with a vengeance. And then Krylak gets the fourth. And this is, again, where we see an RSL that's just, they can beat anyone in MLS. We just don't know when. But yeah, I, I think uh, we're beginning to see how.
0: <laughs> I think that I actually kind of felt that at least in one camera angle that I saw, it seemed pretty obvious that the ball is over the line, even if it curls back on. and, it hits, mm. and I feel like it it goes over the line in the air and then curls down and, and makes contact on oh, the line. That's yeah. my feeling. Right. Uh, I want to call attention to the last goal because of just, just how much it shows with Savarino. Like, when you're on, you're on. Yeah, It's like there's, a, there's this cross forward that looks very speculative. It looks, it gets to the defender first, and it looks like you know Sabarino is not going to get it. And then he totally picks the pocket of the defender who has his back to him mm-hmm. and backheels the ball to Oh yeah, 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 Rylock, yeah. who's standing right it's, there. This is the oh, third that's goal.
1: The, that's the, the yeah, the Riznak goal. Yeah, but the, that backheel oh, Riznak, is yes. just it's like how do you, yeah just oozing confidence <laughs> that again on his night he looks. I mean, he's playing with the confidence and skill of Carlos Vela. Like, he's just... He, he doesn't do that every night, but when he does, it's a pretty tasty thing to watch. And I think even on the Krylak goal, he's sort of involved because he's pulling defenders off and opening up the space. So, it, yeah, just such an important piece for them and and just a complete riot of a game.
0: To, uh, two mirror image games. Um, Portland 2-2 Colorado, uh, mm-hmm. which is where you... you uh, you start with Portland getting a defender own goal uh, by Tommy Smith, who jumps up, and I just think why it's a great why goal. Would you, why, would great. why would you head it? Why would Tommy Smith head it like that if it's it was supposed goal. to be a clearance? Yeah, it's a great goal by Tommy Smith. Great On goal, his own goal.
1: It's a great header, though. <laughs> uh,
0: like um, great uh, defending by by Lewis who who or sorry, no Clark, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, Shinya there's this great like double triple chance where Shinya Shiki comes in, is stoned by Clark, then Kamara shoots, and uh is uh Clark stones him again. The there is a red card. Um uh, Oh
1: yeah, Cascante his his like two studs up, scissor kick on Kamara.
0: <laughs> wipes out poor Kai Kamara. That's and, a red uh, card. That's a red card. <laughs> Abubakar's Abubakar comes around, is turning around and his wild arm uh smacks the attacker. Conceding the penalty, Timbers take the lead and then eventually Colorado scores to make it 2-2. So it's a 2-2 where the team that was there's a 2-2 where the team that was behind uh mm-hmm. or the team yeah, the team that was was behind or, or or was drawn that then got a red card was able to was able to take a, a more com, um, commanding position, and then in DC two two New England, this is where you see the evolving plan of Bruce Arena. Um, Teal runs onto a long ball and finds his finds the goal. Hamid does some great work, but is scored on a, uh, a rebound. I love that he's down in a butterfly Say yeah. like it's hockey. Arena, for some reason, is wearing a black t shirt. Um... <laughs> Just trying to blend in, you know. Uh, the, uh, the chip for DC's first, but then, uh, DC scores two in a row. Um, a great chip overwhelms the keeper for that first goal. And then Zahibo gets a second yellow. And Rooney, now the team that was behind capitalizes on that red card. Uh, and Rooney scores this amazing free kick that, that, or Rudy hits this amazing free kick that is perfectly weighted to reach Quincy Ameriqua. Yeah. Um, who uh, who makes a two-two? So two great, two very like interesting, spicy games that don't necessarily, you know, uh, aren't change terribly, much, <laughs> aren't terribly decisive, but in which a lot occurred.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and good to see uh, that Colorado game that f- the goal from Nicholson uh, at the end there is just that deep run he decides to make at the top of the box. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love when a player late just decides they're like, alright, time to do something here and rather than hit the pass or hit the cross and they're just like, hey, I'm just gonna dribble in and have a crack at it and it does the trick.
0: It always sucks for a team when you get like like Houston when they get uh, the they're the recipient of the revenge comeback of this of the 5 nothing game after a team loses but Atlanta did go to a Seattle and lose um Due to this this goal, people call it a rainbow. They he rainbowed it in. Is that a term that I've uh, heard? It's,
1: it's the first term time I've heard it. But the, we're talking about the Rui Diaz goal, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that pff, I just. You know, I I love soccer and I I do like watching highlights. But I've watched this goal probably about sixty times now because it just does not get old. <laughs> it's just so. Absurd! It's, it, it takes so much work to do that. Um,
0: oh. Go watch it. Go certainly go watch it. But 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 what I would say is that he's played in by Roldan and he kind of corrals this bouncing chaotic ball uh, past past the first defender and then over another defender. I think that's the key that makes it like like a truly genius play. Is mm-hmm. that in one in one continuous move it's like you for some of these bounces it's like it takes a a bounce that is exactly the right amount of height that it needs to where it's like if you had tried to play it normally it would have would have been stopped yeah but like it's the exact right amount of of uh as as the casper ads would put it sink and bounce (laughs) Uh, (laughs) nice um finds him well we're not getting paid for that i should i should or any
1: mattress really
0: um the uh but he he is able to and then he uh follows it up with great finish so it's like as much of as much as it is the goal as much as people are 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 crazy about the goal it's just this tremendous act of um of Ball handling and, and, and dribbling. And
1: if he doesn't even finish some, that goal, I would still be like, go watch this.
0: <laughs> it's just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal to look at.
1: Unfortunately, Martinez is left wide open six minutes later and levels things. Um, it's a, kind of a chippy match, too, for a lot of it, um, which you would sort of expect with these two teams. But Jordan Mortis, Jordan Jordan Morris doing the work late on... Um, and just blasts a crossover, and Harry Ship, who had a heck of a game trying to sink something in, gets his rewards and uh, plays the hero, and Seattle walks away with three points.
0: It's very. It would have been very. Uh, um, it would have felt very unjust if Seattle had not won this game. Yeah, especially because it's against Atlanta, where who really don't didn't feel like they would have deserved to get anything out of it. Um, but. But Ship, who, as you mentioned, had some issues earlier in the game trying to get things happening, uh, he his hatter I love because, and again, we're talking about bounces. Uh, he's very determined and heads it straight down at the ground where it bounces over the goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great, great play. Um, A Canadian team that has finally sort of turned things around, um, despite getting fined for uh, some off-field commentary, TFC beat (laughs) Montreal 2-0. For the first 30 minutes, it's actually mostly Montreal kind of knocking at the door, but Pozuelo continues just to be worth every penny and tees one up. And then um, Josie gets a a real peach of a free kick deep in the stoppage time to make it 2-0. And then later in the week, uh, well, last night, actually, they went to New York Red Bulls and did them for 3-1. So fortunes seem to have turned around, and certainly we're seeing a, a Toronto that is beginning to look a little bit like the Toronto of the past two seasons that we've we've seen.
0: Yeah, I think that they're really, you know, I have, I've been working on this taxonomy. Maybe we can do more of this next week of, of like, uh, the, like types of, of seasons that, that teams are having. And and certainly TFC is one where they've made this addition that really has has served to motivate them in Pozuello. Um yeah. the I think that the they the the Toronto Montreal rivalry has in some years felt very vital and some in other years not necess- like not necessarily the most uh, certainly last year, you know, TSC didn't have a lot going on, so it didn't feel as, as weighted.
1: Mm-hmm. But this
0: was a game where you had both teams going at it real hard. Jackson uh snapping one at close range, but Quentin, Quentin Westberg gets it. Um, I thought Westberg had a great game. Um, the Montreal... Came in with a lot of uh, effort, but TSC just has the quality when everything is is working.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, New York Red Bulls had uh, okay start to the week against New York City FC. Uh, I think many people are now saying basically we're given this three points from a very strange uh, call that was uh, the referee points to the corner flag for, uh, or sorry, signals that it's meant to be a throw-in and then gets called as a corner somehow, which means that the Red Bulls score. Um, but I think, again, all things being equal, it sort of evens out when Toronto goes and beats them. So the, the East <laughs> continues to be a little bit up and down. Elsewhere in the East, uh, two clubs... The, or one club that's really been struggling is Columbus. They lost to yep. Orlando midweek. Um, Benji Bichelle gets a nice little goal to give something to Orlando. Not a great game overall. And Columbus just really desperate for signs of life. And then uh, last night we are able to finally get a point, score some goals, and grabbing a point. Very much needed because I was trying to think of when they would last scored a goal. And I was like, was it? May or June, like how just how long has it been? Because it's not even just losing games, but in a similar position to the Whitecaps where just struggling to even get a goal and show that you're in it. So it was great to see them get the point uh, against, again, a Chicago side that has been struggling, but still has been showing signs of life.
0: Columbus is struggling a little bit before Zach Steffen left. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do kind of have this feeling that you're right that it's goals. It's not the goalkeeper. It's not the goalkeeper's fault that they've been in the position that they are in. But it's more about a team losing its leader. Mm. You know what I mean? Like where where, where he was somebody that you wanted to play for. He's somebody that you wanted to do well for while he was, like, you know, in the remaining games that he was there. And somebody that you could trust to think, well, like, maybe Stefan could keep us in it, you know? I, I, I yeah. feel like there's the loss of, as much as anything, the loss of identity of having your star not there.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, obviously losing Iguain as well, that, that doesn't help things, but, um, you know, they just need to find a way to, to try to stick together and not completely throw in the towel. But certainly tough times in Columbus um, Zardes has been up and down, but he got uh, a goal last night. So it, it's, there's something still there. It's not particularly positive. I don't think we can really say, you know, their season is, is salvageable in any major way, but this is the point also where you want to see a club um, be able to finish at least um, as high as they can, right? And I think that's what we saw last season with San Jose, for instance. Like, despite a really poor season... Late into that, they, they did start to put some pieces together and at least win some games and go, all right, well, if we're not climbing up the table, we might as well knock off some of our opponents. And they did it with uh, great aplomb.
0: Absolutely. Um, the, uh, the, the, the one um, pet peeve that I had in this match when I was watching the highlights is this, this play where Orlando shoots wide. And the goalkeeper is diving and it rolls wide. And the goalkeeper say, oh, that was a, that was tough. He had Bendik beaten there. <laughs> no, he didn't. Cause Bendik was in the right place.
1: Yeah. There's Bendik- definitely <laughs> still times in, with certain MLS commentators where you're like, I really, it's just so apparent. You're really just making this up as you go along and you've just heard a sports phrase and you're just using it
0: now. And then you're like, wait, what? No. If a goalkeeper dives and covers the corner. And the ball physically moves past the goalkeeper, but it's outside of the goalpost. It was beating. a successful save. It was not a you did, that doesn't count as beating the goalkeeper.
1: Oh, hush now. Well, <laughs> let's take things home here with uh, the one last result. I think that we have to talk about is is an another earlier one um, was LAFC the the Houston game. Yeah. Um, And again, where Houston took the early lead and actually looked the better side for lots of this. Definitely, I mean, this is an LAFC that had Vela and Rossi on the bench. So we saw a little bit of squad rotation, but just some real magical defending and Houston not taking their chances meant the LAFC won quite tidily and continues to completely dominate not just the Western Conference, but all of soccer in North America just uh sitting real nice with 46 points which is 10 ahead of philadelphia in the east
0: <laughs> well, also uh, in first. until they uh it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend when when uh when they play uh la galaxy in the in the in the el traffico um and until then where can we find you online
1: you can find me online on Twitter and the Instagram, pointing out defending positional errors at that. So MLS. Where can we
0: find you? You can find me on Twitter at Team Bates, wwwteam uh, You can find this podcast at That's So MLS.com and on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. Uh, wherever, uh, wherever grid podcasts are found.
1: And one quick little thing I just wanted to mention: uh, oh, as Gio Savarese. Make news, do that, do that. Gio Savarese's uh, father passed away this week. It was very nice to see the Portland Timbers fans and team rally around him. He had to miss, miss a game to, to fly home and then his father passed right after. So just a, a little shout out to, to him and also the Portland community for rallying behind him in uh, just a really crappy time. But it, it's nice to see communities do that. And you could obviously see it meant a lot to him. So just uh, thoughts with him and his family
0: our condolences absolutely until next week don't uh slightly <coughs> body check a player and get sent off
1: well and and don't bump into a referee in the 5th minute
0: don't slightly don't slightly body check a referee is a pretty good general rule okay i'll give you that one <laughs>